reading from the book of Luke. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and took his place at the table. And a woman in the city, who was a sinner, having learned that he was eating in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster jar of ointment. She stood behind him at his feet, weeping, and began to bathe his feet with her tears and to dry them with her hair. Then she continued kissing his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee, who had invited him, saw it, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what kind of woman this is who is touching him, that she is a sinner. Jesus spoke up and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. Teacher, he replied, speak. A certain creditor had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he counseled the debt for both of them. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon answered, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the greater debt. And Jesus said to him, You have judged rightly. Then, turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has bathed my feet with her tears and dried them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which were many, have been forgiven. Hence, she has shown great love. But the one to whom little is forgiving, loves little. Then he said to her, Your sins are forgiven. But those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Soon afterwards, he went on through cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him, as well as some women who had been cured of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out, and Joanna, the wife of her steward, Chusa, and Susanna, and many others who provided for them out of their resources. The Word of God for the world. Good morning. Every time I'm here, uh, I, I think about the Apostle Paul who, you know, as, as he starts his letters, some of them he has not nice things to say to churches, and sometimes he's effusive. And this, this place just always feels like an effusive uh, letter kind of place where I imagine myself writing a letter to this community and being joyful about it. Um, 
just always feel the spirit of the living God. And I truly mean that when I'm here with you. Um, So I'm grateful to be invited to this space and to join with you in it. Um, So let's just bless this space together. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be found acceptable and pleasing in your sight. O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So if somebody started washing my feet at a restaurant, I think it might throw me off a little bit. Partly, and candidly, because I have super ticklish feet. Partly because, as we've already discussed um, thoughtfully in our reflections already this morning, we kind of have stinky, dirty feet. Who wants to share that? And partly because, as far as I know, it's never happened to me before. And while I don't know everything about each of your lives and stories, I'm willing to bet good money today. Not really. Let's not bet today. That it's never um, happened to you either. Anybody? No? Okay. No public foot washings at a restaurant? Great. And while I don't know everything about each of you, again, I think I can bet that. No one has ever approached you while you were out to dinner with friends, laid themselves at your feet, washed those feet with their tears, dried those feet with their hair. Weird moment. And while our social standards may be very different from an ancient Near Eastern context like the one that this story is birthed out of, this moment would have still been pretty jarring to folks at the table back then too. Perhaps for different reasons, but the awkward, unsettled feelings would have bubbled up nonetheless. Here the writer of Luke's Gospel tells us about a moment where Jesus finds himself at the center of a seriously uncomfortable situation. He's been invited to dine at Simon's house. Now, houses in this day and age would have been much more open than what we're used to, with lots of shared space. would have been more fitting to imagine them all in a public setting, like a restaurant, with people in town bustling past them, while they reclined around a table to break bread. Imagine downtown Hendersonville. While it would not have been uncommon for slaves to wash people's feet, we get a sneak peek inside Simon's brain and learn that the woman who begins to wash Jesus' feet is a sinner. Woo! So ironically enough, her efforts to make Jesus cleaner actually render him unclean, according to Jewish law. Oops. As Luke's gospel describes, I'll paraphrase it for now, when the dinner host laid eyes on her, he got to mumbling to himself. If Jesus knew what kind of woman this was, he put a stop to this nonsense. Yet as she continues to weep at his feet, Jesus, maybe sensing the tone of the dinner party, things are getting weird, 
tells Simon a story about two people with debts, one larger than the other. Both debts are forgiven, and Jesus wants to know who Simon thinks is more grateful. And grudgingly, at least I think it was grudgingly, Simon responds, well, I guess the one with the bigger debt. And then Jesus says something really odd. Something, if you are willing to join me, I'd like us to focus on this morning. He says to Simon the Pharisee, Do you see this woman? I can picture folks reclining at the table thinking to themselves, Does, does he see this woman? Uh, yeah. He sees this woman. Everybody sees this woman. The whole village sees this woman. All of downtown Hendersonville can see this woman. The storyteller in Luke's gospel even tells us when the Pharisee who had invited Jesus saw it, he started mumbling to himself, cueing for us early on that Simon did, in fact, very much see this woman. Of course, There's a big difference between seeing it and seeing her, isn't there? There's a big difference between seeing a spectacle of tears, loose hair, prostration, awkwardness, sinfulness, social expectations, and seeing her, seeing this woman. This person, this human being, there's a whole world of difference, really. So we hear Jesus ask Simon, ask us again, do you see this woman? That pesky Jesus is always calling us to deeper seeing, a deeper knowing, a deeper, longer, slower, more careful kind of looking. He already knows the answer to the obvious question. Of course, we see all kinds of things all day long. We see it, anger, disrespect, Disheveledment, violence, untrustworthiness, foreigner, flashy. And for lots of reasons, both historical and social, we see certain bodies attached to those behaviors. Sometimes well before stopping to see the person behind our initial glance. An angry black man. A disrespectful protester, a disheveled homeless person, a violent prisoner, an untrustworthy panhandler, a foreign refugee, a flashy queer person. Whether anyone I listed is actually any of these things is kind of beside the point. Whether we care to admit it or not, we often can't help but see others through lenses that have been passed down to us for generations. 
One word for this kind of seeing is blind spots. We all have them. Sometimes we find ourselves ashamed of them. Sometimes we find ourselves fully trusting them. And sometimes, maybe most of the time, we don't even know we have them, thus the blind spots. But Jesus spends a lot of time in the Gospels calling us out on our blind spots, challenging us to look again, to look more deeply, to slow down and admit that we might not be seeing all there is to see. He's asking us again, do you really see what you think you are seeing? Or are you only seeing what you already thought you'd see anyway? There are all kinds of ways that we're kept from seeing each other. From taking long, slow, more careful looks at each other. From taking in the contours of one another's faces and one another's stories. I am learning this the hard way right now with a group of clergy, your own associate pastor included in the mix. So I should say we are learning this the hard way. Ten clergy in the Greenville area have been meeting once a month for day-long conversations that are pressing us to acknowledge our blind spots, both as religious leaders and as individuals. We are diverse racially, We are diverse in gender, sexual orientation, and religious belief. And let me tell you, you won't be surprised, it's hard. Really hard. There are these things that keep us from seeing each other well. That keep us from seeing people in our communities well. Our conversations are full of possibility. I really believe that. Um, But they're painful, too and unsettling and, frankly, kind of dangerous. Because we all know deep inside that the more we look at each other, the more our worlds and lives are going to get blown open. Sometimes it just feels easier to not really know each other better, to not worry about what we don't know and can't see. In our last session together, one of our ministers who is African-American told us a story that shook us all up. He was at a convenience store, or grocery store actually, with his daughter, and she asked for a couple of dollars to buy soda. As he was finishing up, I think maybe working on the car or pumping gas, she walked out of the store with her soda in hand. So our pastor friend looks at us in the group and says, when I saw her coming out of the store, my heart dropped to my feet. And I started to panic because I realized that the soda wasn't in a bag. As she walked back to the car, I looked at her and said, Honey, I know this doesn't make sense, but when you have purchased something, you cannot walk out of the store without a bag. I know it's not fair, sweetie, but because of the color of your skin, people may think you stole something. Never, never buy something without putting it in a bag. I have to be honest with you. As he told us this story, 
I had no idea where he was going. Even when he told us he saw her walking toward him and panicked without a bag because she didn't have a bag, I still had no clue what he meant. And I'm someone who I'd like to think has spent a good bit of time doing critical race theory, reading America's sordid history on race relations. I, I, I like, try to pay attention to this stuff, and I still didn't see it. I was blind, and I couldn't even comprehend why he was so concerned. I have never, never, never once in my lifetime thought about whether or not something I bought was in a bag. Never. I was at CVS this weekend, explicitly said to the cashier not to put my item in a bag because I'm trying to be sustainable. I got to my car and thought, oh my goodness, that story. It hurts to see more deeply. It hurts to admit that people would be so blind at a grocery store and assume that a little girl who happens to be black was stealing a soda because she didn't have a bag. But when we see more deeply, when we release ourselves of our presumptions and prejudices, we are free to love in ways altogether unexpected and new. And Jesus keeps bursting through our preconceived mumblings, asking us over and over and over again, do you see this person? Not the first kind of seeing, not the obvious kind, not the preconceived kind, not the kind where you already have all the answers to questions you aren't even asking. Do you see them? The slower, longer, more careful kind of seeing. The one that takes your full attention and energy. The one that requires you to acknowledge your own biases and blind spots. The kind of seeing that takes much more time and attention and authenticity on our part. And speaking of blind spots, how about 2,000 years of biblical interpretation for you? Did you know that most biblical commentaries title today's lectionary passage, Jesus and the Harlot? In fact, that is the exact title used in the New, Interpreter, New Interpreter's Bible Commentary, a long-standing trusted source for scholars and preachers alike. Yet the story itself never says anything about what kind of sin has made this woman a sinner. She could have been a wealthy woman, her sin exploiting the poor. She could have been an unkind woman, her sin abusing other family members or neighbors. She could have been unclean physically, perhaps with leprosy or another disease, making her, in their context, a sinner. And yet, no matter how hard we might try to think of her any other way, to us as readers, she's a harlot. Yes? 2,000 years of not seeing more deeply, more slowly, more carefully, turn us all into readers and thinkers like that. Even the very best of us, whoever that is, 
That's why we need each other. We need more tables, more conversations. We need more time together. The more I learn from Michelle and others in this community, the more awed I am by the ways you are seeing as a congregation. You are doing the slow, difficult, sometimes exhausting work of taking a longer look at one another, looking with intentionality at your own blind spots and asking God to help you see better. You do this when you break bread with men and women in Hendersonville who are homeless. You do this when you meet most Sunday mornings, except when there's business, after worship for talk back. You do this when you challenge long-held theological narratives in this country about people of color and women and LGBTQ lives. You do this by being the church. Places like this, I really believe this, places like this help the world see better, more deeply, more slowly, more carefully. That is the work of the church. As you continue to do this good work in the world, I invite you this morning to reflect on someone you aren't seeing too well these days. And I don't mean the first kind of seeing. I mean the deeper, slower, more intentional kind of seeing. Is there someone in your life who has quite a few adjectives in front of their name or identity right now for you? Lazy, boring, annoying, wrong, sinful, whatever. How might you reflect on any blind spots that might be keeping you from seeing that person for who they really are? A complex, wounded, healing, beautiful part of God's creation. Sometimes we can feel burdened by all the categories of people we aren't seeing well. Yes? But keep in mind, Jesus didn't ask Simon, Do you see every woman in the entire world? He was powerfully particular with Simon. Do you see this woman right now? Because Jesus knew that in seeing, really deeply, fully seeing one person, he wasn't seeing well. That Simon would slowly but surely learn to see all people in a different way. The mighty work of the gospel. This is the mystery of the incarnation, that in seeing one Jesus... One human face, one person in a sea of so many people, our frenzied focus would shift. And in seeing one, we would see all more deeply. We call this empathy. I recently came across a psychological study on empathy conducted by, of all people, a pain researcher. He was trying to find out if people would feel more pain if they experienced it on their own or with a stranger. He would do this by putting a person in a room alone, then asking them to dump their arm in ice-cold water. Thanks, pain researcher. Then they would do the same thing with a stranger. Turns out people's experience of pain is pretty much the same whether they are alone or with a stranger. But you want to know what increases their experience of pain? 
being in the room with a friend. If they were placed in a room with a friend and both of them were asked to put their arms in cold water, the participant would report experiencing more pain because in that moment they were experiencing not only their own pain, but the pain of someone they cared about. So then the really interesting question for the researcher became, how do you turn a stranger into a friend? Want to guess the answer? 10 minutes of rock band. That's right. If two total strangers had just a few minutes playing a collegial game of rock band together, they would report higher levels of pain, similar to the kind of pain experienced with a close friend. We have been built with this enormous capacity to feel one another's pain, to empathize with one another's lives, to see one another more deeply to press past our blind spots and see our neighbors for who they really are. I keep thinking to myself after learning about this study, if we could only get American Southerners in rooms with Syrian refugees and turn on rock band for 10 minutes, Maybe we can change an entire country's toxic narrative about walls and bans and refusals. Maybe we could solve this crisis faster than we think. What if we discovered that the very people we can't see turn out to be the kind of folks who cover our stinky, dirty feet with extravagant perfume? extravagant love. What if? Lest we think too quickly or lest we too quickly only imagine ourselves as Simon, the observer doing all the seeing or I guess not seeing, remember that sometimes each of us is the woman in the story too, asking to be seen asking that someone would do what Jesus did on our behalf, asking that those around us not define us at first glance, asking that our neighbors take another look, slower, deeper, more careful look at our lives. Do you see this woman? Jesus asks us and asks on our behalf. Are you willing to turn strangers into friends? As we hear a few chapters earlier in Luke's gospel, or in Mark's, in Luke's gospel, Jesus says to us all, I have come to bring sight to the blind. May it be so for us. Amen.